Welcome to Season 3 of the Financial Fofu Podcast, where we talk all things finance, money and mindset. To find out more about us or to listen to some old episodes, you can visit us on our Instagram or Facebook pages or check out our website. So let's get into it today. Welcome to today's episode of the Financial Fofu Podcast. We are talking about how to price your product or service today. A very important topic for us to chat about today. Yes, I think, well, when we consider what we were going to talk about this season, this was one of like the main topics we really wanted to discuss because it's fundamental. It is, but it's also very difficult. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people really struggle to price their product or their service. Um, And today we're going to break it down into why that might be and what you can do to change that. Yeah, we really are. And look, the first thing that really you should do when you're looking at pricing your product is some research Um, and whether that be looking at um, other products in the market that are the same or that are similar um, or where you partic- your, your, your placement in the market is and what others around you are doing in terms of pricing. It's actually a really good place mm. to start when you are looking at pricing your own product. I think the important part is to really get a good understanding of what will the market pay, yeah. what will this cost me, mm. and what can I then sell it for. Yeah. Um, and without doing that bit of research, it's very hard to answer any of those questions. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, often people do some of, some of the research, but they don't mm. do all of the research. That, so they might know that, um, that they can sell it for a certain amount of money, mm. but then they haven't necessarily done the research as to what it costs them to provide. So selling something and I actually have a YouTube video that talks about this if you want to go to YouTube and search my name but if you sell something for a set price and but it costs you more than the set price to make it or provide it as a service there's it's not, no, it's not a viable <laughs> there's no point in you mm. doing it because you're not going to make any money so having yeah. a real understanding of you know stuff that we've talked about from a break even point of view and mm. in our and our planning and our forecasting episodes they they really impact you know it's like mutually inclusive they don't ex- these things can't be excluded in business like yeah. you can't just do one and not the other and be successful you have to do all of them yeah. so um first off research how mm. are you researching your product as well so when I research something that I want to sell, I um, use so straight to Google. Most of us do. <laughs> um, I also then go to local groups or business groups and try and get an understanding of, you know, viable prices and price points. <laughs> and I then talk with my peers who are my prospective clients. Yeah. I don't talk with my peers who are just my friends that I ask or what do you think of this? Or would you pay for this? Because the reality is, is that their response isn't actually tangible for your data set because no, they're, they're not, not gonna, actually. They're not going to buy off you. Correct. Correct. Mm. And that's a common one. And I see it a lot with other things, like even with branding and logos. Oh, we asked all of our friends who are in the construction industry what they thought of our logo. And I was like, why? 
they're not yeah. your clients. <laughs> they're your peers. Like yep. there's a difference. They're your competitors even at times. Yeah. So when you're doing your research, it's not just a quick Google search. It's it's usually in-depth. It's got a process that goes to it. You're looking for tangible data that you can use that data towards your, your budgeting and your pricing and your cash flow forecasts to really get a good understanding of how much it costs you to make, break and sell. <laughs> and I guess even before that, you need to already have had a good understanding of who your customer is Correct. And, and where exactly your product sits in the market are you planning on making a premium product or Mm. is it a cheaper one Um, we often use the example uh, are we providing a a toyota or are we providing a ferrari yeah right and where you sit in the market is also going to impact on on the pricing of your product exactly Mm. And, and and that's why research and we've talked about this before Research, research, research. Like, <laughs> I know it's boring. It's not the fun stuff. No one wants to do it, but it is the difference between you being successful and making profit and plodding along and really robbing Peter to pay Paul just yeah. to get by. Yeah. Um, and I suppose to go back to that Toyota and Ferrari example, you know, if you are pricing as a Ferrari, but you're only providing the Toyota, mm-hmm. you're not going to make many sales because the customers aren't going to be happy and you're not going to get the good. Reviews that you need to get the repeat customer repeat or to get the referral, referral business, yeah. Um, vice versa, if you're pricing it as a Toyota but you're providing a Ferrari, well, then mm. you're selling yourself short um, and you're providing yeah. amazing products but not charging what it's actually worth and you could be making a lot more money than what you, than what you would be pricing it at the, the Toyota range. So, Completely. Again, again, that becomes really important for the profitability pricing right absolutely completely mm. and fair comments on those regards because i don't know about you but if i was paying for a for a ferrari and getting a toyota i'd be very unimpressed with life. <laughs> <laughs> i think most people would <laughs> exactly exactly so the next um point that we'd like to bring up is a little bit contentious mm. it's something that women specifically struggle with and it's gender related in terms of are we getting in our own way as women when we price our services or our product in a way that men don't so, yeah and i think that it is very common for women to undersell themselves and undersell their worth and whether that's because they don't feel that they deserve to be earning that kind of money or they just don't, you know, have the confidence in their own ability, skills or the product to be asking for that large amount of money. Um, mm. But it is it is very common um, in women, re- female-related businesses that um, we underprice ourselves. Is, yeah, is it just because we don't feel that we can get paid what we know we're worth and therefore mm. we'll ask for less to validate that we are still worth something? Very possible. I think I think a lot of it is a confidence thing. I mean, if you look at job applications, they say that men will apply for a job yeah. that they have half the skills for, but women will only apply for jobs that they have 90 to 100% of the skills yeah. for. It's the same type of confidence, um, confidence difference between men and women when it comes to pricing our products. We probably don't feel that we're worth the money or we should deserve that kind of price or reward for the product or service that we're providing. Um, Mm. So, therefore, we pay 
we, we charge a lower price. I mean, I know a lot of female advisors who sit there going, oh, I'm just not sure if the customer's going to pay that. I'm not sure if, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to charge too much money. It's not, it's not, you know, I don't want to. And look, there's a difference between will the market pay me this mm. and will the market pay me this because I'm not sure that I'm worth, worth it. this. Mm. Um, because if so you've you- done your research, you should know the answer to the first question. Exactly right. Exactly right. And if you know the answer to the first question, then you should have the confidence that I am worth this, therefore that is what my price is. And if you think that that's too high, then I'm probably not the right fit, pro- right yeah. fit for you and there might be someone else who is willing to provide a cheaper service um, for you. But you need to be willing to go that, you know, I am providing service at this particular level and therefore the value of that service is this this price and therefore Mm. be willing to to charge that and i think as well like especially if you've got a new service or product that you're offering is that you try and win every sale yeah but not every sale is the right yeah is worth winning and look yeah and i did that when i first started my business as well it was you know i charged a price that i thought that i could get customers in and um do the work for them but i'm now at a point where i've feel like I've proven myself and I'm like, well, I should be charged based on the service and the quality of the service that I am providing to my my clients um, and stop underselling myself. And I am more confident when I'm quoting clients now that this just is the price. And some will come back and say that that's too expensive and that's fine, but that is what my price is. And so that goes to the next point though. It's not even about when you set your prices to start with. Mm. It's about when you review your prices mm. within your business and ask your existing client base for more money. Yeah. And another and interesting difficult point, conversations. I spoke to a male accountant a couple of weeks ago and he said since he started, he has raised his prices 10% every year. Without and fail. Without fail. And he goes, there's mm. no um, email going out saying, flowery email saying, I'm putting up my prices and let me know. And right, he goes, I just put it in the engagement letter and that's what the price is. Um, and he goes, you know, I haven't really had any customers complain about the price increases. And I figure that I'll know that I've gone too far when they start to complain. Yeah. Versus me who has, yeah. <laughs> yes, I have put prices up over time, but it's not an every year regular, regular thing. Um, it's it has been tied to can I charge that much and am I worth that mm. much and is that um, whereas when it's right just a me. consistent ten percent increase that's done annually every year it becomes expected by the customer that it's yeah. not going to be the same price as last year yeah but it he doesn't provides, have to have that conversation no, no it's, but it provides a really useful example of two very different ways of of approaching pricing and. Very possibly his is better because, as you say, it is just consistent and expected by the customer um, and if they have a problem with it, they will comment. So the question then, back to what this this particular mm. portion of the topic is about, mm. is is he doing that because he's a man and you're not doing that because you're a woman mm. or is it just natural personality differences in approach to business? Like we'll never know the answer it's potentially. A, yeah. to, it's probably to a that. mix. Of, it's probably a mix of all of those things, really. Yeah, mm. yeah. You know, so how much self sabotage is going on there for you, Trudy, within mm. pricing and increasing your pricing? That um, is to your own detriment and to your own value, but also in a way that is keeping clients that you perhaps shouldn't be keeping anymore either. Yeah, and 
pricing is a good way to sort the weeds from the chaff. Oh, very much so. The wheat from the chaff, I should say. <laughs> um, to to weed out the different parts. I mean, I had this in December, January, where um, I reviewed my pricing for a range of reasons, but because what I'm seeing in the marketplace, I was a third of the price offering five times the value mm. going, this is not – and and busting my chops to, to mm. provide that value because I believe in providing service and value, but then not necessarily getting remunerated at the same level as some other – um, business coaches or advisors mm. were were being remunerated. So I moved one of my packages around, um, increased my price, had a bit of pushback from a few people. But if they see value in what I'm doing and we're actually able to tangibly show them the value through the changes in their profit and loss statement, which we are, mm. then it's a cost that's they will need to include as part of their natural expenses of doing business because it's providing them value that they cannot find on their own mm. when they were paying more for the previous advisor. Yeah. And the other thing to factor in as well is that, yes, maybe you will lose a couple of clients, but you're going to be earning more from a smaller, better quality Correct. group of clients. Yeah. Um, and, and the other thing this brings us back to is an example we actually talked about when we we're talking about this episode is, and I can't remember who the speaker was, but I heard a story of a female speaker who did a, did a talk with, uh, I think it was three or four other men in the session. And at the end of it, the lady who was organizing it spoke to her and said that we nearly didn't hire you because you mm. were so much cheaper than the men that we thought, well, maybe you weren't very good. Yeah. So it's also actually important to price yourself well enough so that it is reflective of how good you are because otherwise yeah. people can actually have the opposite opinion of, oh, you're too cheap, so maybe you're not actually Yeah, and, and you do. That was, yeah, very impactful for me when we talked about it because mm. I was pricing knowing what it's like to be in business because I've been in business mm. and knowing how hard it is for cash flow and the, and the works, but then – Part of me said all these other advisors in the space are charging two to three times what I'm charging and they've got consistency of work coming in. Not that I don't, but they're charging two to three times and offering less service. So, therefore, my workload is higher, yep. earning less. So, I looked at that and went, that is a really impactful comment is how am I presenting to the marketplace then? Mm. If I'm not charging on par with them, yep. you know, all of that w was a factor in the decisions that I made earlier in the year. Um, and perhaps you were doing the Toyota pricing on the Ferrari. I know. Ferrari I was offering them a Toyota, uh, sorry, charging them for a Toyota and offering them a Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> which, is, which, again, is something to really consider. You know, do you need to include all these extra add-ons um, in your offering? Or is a core thing enough and the extra add-ons are worth more? If you're a product, you know, are you including shipping yeah. in the price or are you adding on um, shipping? And are you, if you add including it in the price, have you actually factored that in properly when doing yeah. your costing yes. to price the product appropriately? Yeah. So, you know, are you basically are you getting remunerated for that, that mm. shipping cost as well? To be fair. I would rather pay more for a product and not pay shipping. So would pay, I. Then pay less for a product and then have to pay the $10 extra for the shipping. I think it's very psychological. Um, it's 100% psychological. <laughs> but I'm totally with you. I'll go the free shipping um, every time. 
Yeah, and I'll go the free shipping if it means I need to spend a little bit more than what I was planning to spend. Yep. So if it was a fifty or a hundred dollars spend, I mean, depending on the product. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like recently there was I bought a scrub, and um, a little bit off topic, <laughs> but um, the scrub was twenty two dollars, and the shipping was ten dollars, and I was like, the shipping is half the product price. Yeah. And I was like, all right, so I'll buy. And they had, like, free shipping, I think. No, they didn't. Uh, they used to have free shipping at $50, so I put three in my cart to get over mm. the 50 bucks. And then there was no free shipping and I was even madder <laughs> <laughs> because they used to offer free shipping, free shipping and now they don't. And I don't mind spending a little bit more. I understand shipping is what it is. It's a cost to the business. Yep. But I would have rather paid $27 for the scrub times two so the shipping still would have been the same for the business owner mm. spend over fifty dollars they would have paid for the shipping by increasing the product price yep. then me having to pay less and pay the shipping. the shipping yeah and so i ended up i was like well in that case i may as well buy three to justify the shipping cost yep yep done that but it, it, it now means though i won't come back and buy anything from that business mm. until i'm a hundred percent out of the three times the same product that I bought, the scrub. Yeah, because I need won't to buy justify th- the shipping cost. Because I, I won't go back and I won't buy their skincare, their hand cream, or, which are beautiful products mm. because I don't want to pay the shipping. Yeah. So all of these things are really relevant and come back to market research yeah. and the psychology of selling when you look at any of these things for how you price your product or your service. Yeah. And look, and again, it's different on how much you're spending. If I'm going and buying a $200 product, I'm more willing to spend the $10 on the shipping. But as you say, if I'm only buying a a $20 scrub, you're less willing to spend that $10 on shipping. So again, it's relative to your particular product and the pricing around your product. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Mm. So some of the other things that we have listed for how you're pricing your product or yeah. your service is break-even analysis. Yeah, and we had a good chat about that mm-hmm. last week. So if you haven't listened to last week's episode, stop listening to us now. <laughs> Go yeah. back Go and back. listen to last week's episode and then come back right to where we are here yeah. because break-even is game-changing. Yeah, and we had a lot of fun playing around with some numbers last week and there's a there is a spreadsheet downloadable on our website that you yep. can use to play around with some of your own numbers yeah um but it's a really useful analysis to work out you know how many products do i need to sell at a particular price point in order to cover my costs mm. um, and you can play around with a spreadsheet in terms of what that sale price is um so that you can figure out okay, well, where do I need to be in terms of pricing from a cost perspective to cover my costs? Um, But also, you know, you might know realistically how many units you're likely to sell. You know, are you selling a product that you're only going to sell 10 units of or have you got a product that you expect to sell 1,000 units of? And you can play around with that in the spreadsheet in terms of of what an appropriate pricing point might be for you. Yeah, Absolutely. Definitely jump to financialfofu.com.au and go into the episode, break even analysis and download the downloadable there. Um, We're offering that to you as a little gift. 
it, it's game changing. It is set up at the moment for a product and then a service business, but it's a construction service business. Yeah. So if you're a professional service, you just need to not have to worry about the materials in the variable cost section um, because you won't have materials in the same way that a construction-based business has materials as a job cost or a cost of sales yeah. or a direct cost, whichever <laughs> jargon term you're using because there's no, plenty. You, you, um, might, you might instead choose to include some labour costs um, or your software or whatever the major component yeah, is yeah, as, yeah. as that variable um, variable cost. That one is huge then when you combine that with the research, with your break-even analysis um, mm. because you know what the market will pay and then you know what it will cost you to provide and then yeah. you can really decide is it viable? Yeah. Can you sell it for what you need to make to make a profit? And then, you know, even the break-even analysis, if you decide you want to make a profit margin on top, you've got the capability to add the profit margin on top because – a lot of people don't realise when they're looking at their financials and, you know, our next episode will be talking about this a little bit more between cash flow management mm. and budgeting and our second episode of the year talks specifically about understanding your books but mm. profit on the end of a profit and loss statement if you're not taking wages isn't profit. No. Profit at the end of a profit and loss statement, if you haven't included depreciation or or other things, is only a cash profit. It's not a ta- it's not a, a paper profit, mm. and all of these things impact your ability to make money. Mm. And if we're not making money, then why are we doing it? Exactly. If you're not making money, why are we doing it? Making money is not the only reason to be in business. We're not suggesting that, but blood, sweat, and tears a decent amount goes into being self-employed. You live, breathe. And eat self-employed life. You're on your phone all the time, checking messages, answering client calls. You don't get to leave the office in most instances at 5 p.m. and not think about work until 9 a.m. the next day. If you're not making a profit, why are you in business? Can't say that enough. Probably say it a billion times between (laughs) now and the end of this season. But if you're not making profit, why are you in business? Now, you need to decide what profit looks like to you. If profit equals a replacement wage for you working some for somebody else, that's okay too. But make sure you're at least making the same as a minimum as what you would make if you'd work for somebody else. Yeah. And and look, reality is most people go into business because they want to work for themselves and make money for themselves rather than working for someone else. So looking at what your wage would be if you're working for someone else is a really good starting mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. Um, living living wage. Living wage, yeah, <laughs> living wage um, is a great starting point in helping to work out your pricing um, and, and how much profit you need for business to make. Um, if we go back to our example on the spreadsheet of the phone cover, we've got an example of a $40 sale price, which needs you to sell 1,225 units to break even. So you need to sell more units than that to even start Make making money. a profit. Mm. So if you know that you're only going to be able to sell, let's call it 2,000 units, well, you can also then work out that you're only going to make a profit of 31000 Now, maybe that's an amazing amount of money for you and that's all you're wanting to earn from this business, but maybe that's not enough for you. 
Um, so it's really useful to sort of use these calculations um, to factor in your pricing of are you earning enough wage or profit based on the pricing of your products as well. Trudy, I get asked all the time what's, what's a benchmark or an acceptable profit margin? It depends on what you want and what type of business you're in. Exactly. So mm. for me, it always goes with, well, make a wage and then it's a wage. So your profit is actually profit, not reimbursement mm. for a living wage. So, you know, it depends on the industry too and it depends on how cluey you are in your marketing, your advertising, your efficiencies, getting your other costs down because if you get them for cheaper, all it does is give you extra cash, right? Mm. Bump your profit up. Um but you could probably work on a 15 to a 20% target. Mm. And if you're making 15 to 20%, you could probably say you're doing well. well yeah. If it's a profit margin above paying yourself a replacement wage with industry um, synergy or, you know, comparability. So if you're um, a professional service provider, you may earn, say, $120,000 if you're employed. If you're earning $120,000 as a wage and making a 20% profit. You're doing well. Net, you're doing well. And I yeah. say net profit. So net profit after all of your expenses. Is, yeah. You, you're doing well. So for those of you that are sitting there thinking, mm, I wonder what's, you know, wonder what everybody else aims for. Mm. Aim for that. It's a good place to start. You can only go up from there at the end of the day. Yeah. If you're making a 40% profit, we want to hear from you. <laughs> we but, want you know, to talk to you. <laughs> you know, there's lots of other factors that go into it as well. I've got clients who want to earn enough from their business that their spouse doesn't have to work. Yeah. Or I've got clients who this is just something to keep them busy for a couple of days a week. So they just want to earn enough money that would be two days worth of wage. Um and it, I've got clients, you know, everywhere in between as well. So, it, you know, there is a lot of personal circumstance that comes into it. Always. As always. well. Um, and, and for some people, 50000 is a great wage. For other people, you know, they wouldn't run a business unless they were 80. And, you yeah. know, it comes down to what we're just saying. What would you be earning otherwise um, if you're in a job? And what do you feel that you need to be remunerated for all the effort that you put in and the time that you put into your particular business. And on top of that, what are your business plans? Yeah. Because if you want to grow your business, you're going to need cash to invest or reinvest into your business to enable that growth, whether it's in bringing on more staff or purchasing other pieces of equipment or goods that you need, um, even if it's just funding supply chains so that yep. you can grow. That's what your extra profit then provides you with capability to do. It's the choice as to how you want to ex to spend it. Yeah. So, if you are wanting to grow or invest, you need to make sure that your profit is large enough that it's going to cover those costs um, from a cash flow perspective. Yep. Which means you need to have done some planning to work out what those costs would be. Yeah. And that's on yeah. top of you earning a wage. Yeah. Not instead of. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, so if you haven't spent any time recently looking at how to price your product or service, here's your not-so-gentle reminder, it's a foot in the butt from us, to go back and have a look at how you're pricing your goods and whether or not 
you're actually making a profit from the pricing of those goods. Yeah, and I will be doing it this year as well. Mm. So I'm keen to hear how everybody else is going um, with reviewing their pricing or starting out with their pricing um, of yeah. their product or service and, and how hard or easy they've found it and, and what some of the factors that have influenced their decision have been. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. If you've got any questions on this, please feel free to reach out. Social media, website, you've got our numbers. Let us know. Love to hear from you. Thanks, everyone. See you later. Bye. See you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Financial Fofu. We really appreciate you tuning in and hope that you have subscribed to our channel. I just wanted to let you all know that the information and material in our podcast and any supplementary and associated information available is for general purposes only. It should not be taken as constituting professional advice from us, the podcast owners and our special guests. And we recommend that you seek independent, suitable advice that is specific for your unique circumstances. Thanks for tuning in. Hope to see you next week. Please, please, please send us, um, use our link and send us any requests or any feedback. We'd really appreciate it. Cheers.